Listen to any earnings call with the Borstar Earnings Call mobile app now available on the App Store. Check the show notes for the download link. Greetings and welcome to the Ulta Beauty third quarter 2018 earnings results conference call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. A brief question and answer session will follow the formal presentation. If anyone should require operator assistance during the conference, please press star zero on your telephone keypad. As a reminder, this conference is being recorded. It is now my pleasure to introduce your host, Laurel Lefebvre, Investor Relations Vice President. Thank you. You may begin. Thank you. Good afternoon, and thanks for joining us for Ulta Beauty's third quarter 2018 conference call. Hosting our call are Mary Dillon, Chief Executive Officer, and Scott Sederston, Chief Financial Officer. Also joining us is Dave Kimball, Chief Merchandising and Marketing Officer. Before we begin, I'd like to remind you of the company's safe harbor language. The statements contained in this conference call, which are not historical facts, may be deemed to constitute forward-looking statements within the meaning of the Private Securities Litigation Reform Act of 1995. Actual future results may differ materially from those projected in such statements due to a number of risks and uncertainties, all of which are described in the company's filings with the SEC. We make references during this call to non-GAAP earnings adjusted for the impact of the lower tax rate and one-time bonuses. During the Q&A session, we respectfully request that you ask one question only, please, to allow us to have time to respond to as many of you as possible during the hour scheduled for this call. I'll now turn the call over to Mary. Thank you, Laurel, and good afternoon, everyone. Ultra Beauty's strong performance in the third quarter reflects continued market share gains across all major categories, acceleration in our overall comp driven by healthy traffic, excellent new store productivity, and robust e-commerce growth. To summarize the headlines, total sales increased 16.2%. We delivered 7.8% comp sales growth on top of 10.3% comps in the third quarter of 2017. Diluted earnings per share of $2.18 grew 28%. We just shared a lot of news at our analyst day last month, and today I'll reiterate some of the information we discussed about each of our strategic imperatives, which position us to deliver industry-leading financial results. I'll begin with our effort to drive loyalty and to take our brand to the next level. We grew our Ultimate Rewards loyalty program to 30.6 million active members at the end of the third quarter, a 15.3% year-over-year increase. Loyalty member sales now represent more than 95% of our total revenues. We continue to benefit from the high engagement of our platinum and diamond-level guests, garnering more than 40% share of wallet from these two tiers combined. These guests are over three times more likely than our average guests to be omnichannel shoppers and take advantage of our services offerings. They also have extremely high retention levels at more than 96%. Going forward, we expect to increase our focus on driving higher sales per member, and personalization is the next major tool for growing share of wallet. Our vision is to make every guest touch point personalized and relevant, building tools and capabilities to develop a closer connection to our guests so they feel even deeper loyalty to the Ulta Beauty brand. We're just in the early innings of personalization, and we're building expertise both internally and through acquisitions to bolster our capabilities in this area. More on this topic in a bit. We also continue to grow our credit card portfolio and see a sustained lift in sales for our guests who hold the Ulta Beauty credit card. Sales of gift cards grew 35% in the quarter, driven by expanding distribution in other retailers this year, as well as strong growth in our own stores. We continue to grow awareness of the Ulta Beauty brand, now reaching all-time highs at 55% for unaided and 92% for aided awareness for the quarter. These milestones are supported by significant improvements on important brand attributes, such as being considered exciting, fun, inspiring, experts in beauty, and on trend. Last quarter, we discussed the launch of our new brand purpose, The Possibilities Are Beautiful. This is a new articulation of our brand platform, celebrating the emotional and inclusive power of possibilities at Ulta Beauty. We believe we've moved past the point of driving awareness of the concept of Ulta Beauty, all things beauty all in one place, to one of being able to create a true emotional connection with our current and prospective guests. This is how great brands create loyalty and drive growth over the long haul. To support the launch, we commissioned a consumer study to understand beauty standards and perceptions of beauty today in order to facilitate this important discussion. 
We brought this to life with a partnership with NBC Universal's platforms, including NBC, E, and Telemundo, which garnered millions of impressions and engagement with our brand. As part of our efforts to connect more closely with the key consumer segments of millennials, Latinas, Gen Z, and African Americans, we've launched specific efforts to drive awareness with each group. For example, we're partnering with Essence and Girls United to increase academic potential, confidence, and leadership of young women aged 12 to 17, and leveraging partnerships with influencers and media partners that are most relevant to these consumer groups. In addition to our new brand equity campaign that launched a few months ago, we began running new holiday commercials with the theme Shine Brighter in early November, focused on Ulta Beauty as a destination for both glamming and gifting. Let me turn now to an update on our merchandise assortment focused on innovation, differentiation, exclusivity, relevancy, and speed to market. During the third quarter, we benefited from double-digit comp growth in mass cosmetics, prestige skincare, fragrance, prestige boutique brands, and sun care. Prestige Cosmetics showed modest improvement in comp sales performance compared to the prior quarter, suggesting encouraging stabilization of our largest category. We're positioning Ulta Beauty as the partner of choice for brands across the beauty spectrum, from classic brands to established indie brands to new and emerging brands, and we believe there's significant opportunity to grow with each of these groups in multiple expressions and formats. As we've recently launched an emerging brands team focused on identifying new and often digitally native brands. This team has developed customized processes to onboard and incubate smaller or emerging brands in partnership with all areas of our business in order to ensure successful launches of these brands, which are often not accustomed to a retail environment. We're excited to be participating in the rapid rise of influencer and celebrity-driven brands. Kylie Cosmetics is off to a strong start with 28 SKUs launched in-store on November 17th, excuse me, November 17th, and a more curated assortment online. We also announced the introduction of four Kim Kardashian West fragrances for holiday, which launch in-store only. Both brands have been very supportive of these launches with a series of social media posts by Kylie and Kim, who each have 120 million Instagram followers. Kylie also made a personal appearance in one of our Houston stores the weekend of the launch. Other examples of influencer-led brands are the launches of Beauty Bakery, Juvia's Place, and the expansion of Morphe. Morphe is now in 10 feet with an elevated presentation in all stores, and we launched an exclusive collaboration on November 16th with James Charles, an influencer with over 10 million Instagram followers. Our holiday plans have been well executed by the teams with many exclusive products and kits, elevated gift with purchase offerings for fragrance, and a strong Black Friday, Cyber Monday offer, as well as our early December Beauty Blitz program. Combined with the new holiday television and radio creative and in-store marketing, we're confident that we have implemented a comprehensive merchandising and marketing plan to position Ulta Beauty as a compelling destination for holiday shopping. Now touching on our services business. Salon sales grew 10.7% and comp 3.5%, driven by average ticket increases and benefiting from increased traffic in our stores. To update you on the rollout of our service optimization program, our new services model is now in over 30% of the chain. We continue to see encouraging results and will continue to roll it out to additional markets in early 2019. This program was built to attract and retain top stylists to provide exceptional services. The components of services optimization are compensation designed to retain top talent, industry-leading internal training and education, simplified menus, transparent pricing, as well as dedicated field teams focused on business and technical training to support our 8,000 stylists. We continue to roll out the Skin Bar at Ulta Beauty and now have this format in 174 stores. We plan to have 188 stores with the Skin Bar by year end and 60 of them will be multi-branded, offering services with brand partners Dermalogica, Murad, Kate Somerville, and Kiehl's. Early results are promising for increased product sales as well as guest satisfaction. We're now testing a new salon appointment booking tool in partnership with technology startup Spruce. 
We've developed an enhanced tool for booking appointments for all services, including hair, skin, brows, and makeup. The booking tool is faster and easier to use and elevates guest engagement. We expect to roll the booking tool out through 2019 with further enhancements to the platform teed up for next year. And now let me turn to real estate. We opened 42 stores in the third quarter compared to 48 last year and closed three, ending the end of the quarter with 1,163 stores. New stores continued to deliver sales ahead of expectations, and we recently updated our new store model to reflect the strength of the new store portfolio, with year one stores achieving sales of 3.5 million on average and ramping to 5 million by the fifth year of operation. With increased confidence in the next several years of store growth, we narrowed our U.S. store target range to 1,500 to 1,700, and will slightly moderate new store openings in the next few years, with plans to open 80 stores in 2019, 75 stores in 2020, and 70 stores in 2021. This moderation is planned in tandem with a greater focus on portfolio repositioning as a large number of store leases is coming up for renewal in the next several years. Moving on to our e-commerce sales and our recent efforts to create an innovation ecosystem. Ulta.com sales grew 42.5% and represented nearly 11% of total company revenue. E-commerce contributed 340 basis points to the total company comp, driven by transaction growth. Total traffic growth rose close to 36%, with mobile traffic up 44%. We continue to see strong demand for our store-to-door -door or save-the-sale program, and we're now testing buy-online, pick-up-in-store in 47 locations. Now, I'd like to recap some of the important announcements we made at our Analyst Day in November. We described how we're building an innovation ecosystem with a series of partnerships and acquisitions. We recently invested in a multi-year strategic partnership with Iterate, a technology solutions company and workflow platform. Iterate helps large companies harness the best digital innovations and allows us to tap into technology talent in Silicon Valley and Colorado, as well as share knowledge across industries. Iterate tracks trends, provides research, and curates technology partnership opportunities. And for Ulta Beauty, it enables rapid prototyping and gives us access to startups that would be most suited to our needs. In addition to this important partnership, we're also accelerating innovation by building internal capabilities. For the first time in the company's history, we made acquisitions of two small tech startups, Glam Street and QM Scientific, to support our digital experience roadmap and develop an innovation pipeline. We welcome these entrepreneur founders and their teams to the Ulta Beauty family. We're excited to work together with these teams to unlock personalization in a differentiated way. Glam Street has been our partner for the past few years behind the development of Glam Lab, our virtual try-on experience, and our mobile app. Bringing these capabilities in-house will allow us to move faster in developing our augmented reality offerings. They combine AR, AI, and machine learning capabilities and focus on virtual makeover solutions, image processing, graphics, and effects. QM Scientific is an artificial intelligence startup recognized as a disruptor in the retail space. Their capabilities include artificial intelligence, recommendations, computer vision, natural language processing, and visual search. Both Glam Street and QM Scientific bring technology leadership, guest experience focus, capabilities, and the right cultural fit with Ulta Beauty. Connecting these strategic relationships and partnerships starts to frame up our approach to digital innovation an ecosystem where we rely on capable technology partners, work closely with Iterate as an innovation workflow partner, and as an extension of our Ulta Beauty team, as well as invest in assets and bring in-house technologies and talents that are core to our future. We view this structure as an efficient way to accelerate our digital innovation capabilities on our path to deliver world-class digital experiences, including much greater personalization. And now turning to an update on our supply chain operations. Strong in-stock levels coupled with good control of inventory per door growth were the highlights of our supply chain team's performance in the quarter. Our newest distribution center in Fresno is ramping quickly, now serving 173 stores and 21% of e-commerce orders. In concert with the continued ramp of our three newer buildings, 
We are reducing activity in our Phoenix DC in preparation for its closure next year. We see a significant opportunity to improve working capital in the years ahead. As part of the Efficiencies for Growth Cost Optimization Program, we're launching an SKU rationalization project. We're also benefiting from better inventory visibility and markdown tools. Over time, we'll get the entire supply chain network on a common operating model, as well as continue to drive end-to-end -end process improvements. As a result, we expect to see modest inventory turn improvement each year over the next several years, with a goal of 50 basis points of improvement over the next five years. So with that, I'll turn over to Scott to discuss in more detail the drivers of our third quarter financials and outlook for the fourth quarter and the full year. Thanks, Mary. Good afternoon, everyone. I'll begin with the income statement. Top line growth of 16.2% was driven by a 7.8% comp and strong new store productivity. The revenue recognition accounting standard adopted at the beginning of the year added 10.5 million of sales from the combined impact of income from our credit card program, gift card breakage, as well as e-commerce revenue now being recognized upon shipment, offset by the value of points earnings in our loyalty program. As a reminder, our retail comparable sales growth is not impacted by the revenue recognition accounting change. Traffic strengthened compared to the prior quarter with transactions driving the majority of the comp. Total company transactions increased 5.3% and ticket increased 2.5%. The retail-only comp of 4.4% was balanced between traffic and ticket. Ticket growth was driven by increases in average selling price with units per transaction flat. Including the salon comp of 3.5%, the combined retail and salon comp was 4.4%. Turning to gross profit, Margin was flat year over year. The new revenue recognition accounting standard added about 50 basis points to the gross profit line. So the underlying 50 basis points of deleverage were a bit more than we were forecasting going into the quarter. Some of the factors driving this deleverage were the same dynamics we've been experiencing all year, including the mix of e-commerce sales, the mix of lower margin prestige brands, investments in our salon business, and supply chain deleverage driven by the Fresno Distribution Center opening, as well as higher freight costs, which weighed on the P&L by about 10 to 15 basis points, as we called out at our analyst day. Overall, promotions were fairly flat year over year, with lower circulation of some of our print catalogs and newspaper inserts, and three weeks of our postcard 20% offer this year compared to four weeks of the same offer last year offset by increased digital marketing. The primary driver of the delta between the original plan and our actual results was the clearance event that began at the end of the second quarter and it continued into the first several weeks of the third quarter. It took us longer than expected and we took deeper markdowns than expected to sell through the discontinued inventory to clean up our back rooms to get our stores ready for all the great new launches ahead of holidays. While the clearance event did pressure margin rate more than planned, we're happy with the end result and are in great shape for Q4. The margin rate headwinds that I described were partially offset by planned leverage of rent and occupancy expenses. Moving on to SGNA, we deleveraged by 140 basis points, including 70 basis points of impact from the revenue recognition accounting standard. The remaining 70 basis points were due to deleverage of store payroll, primarily related to the prestige brand expansion, as well as deleverage of marketing expense. This was due to timing of advertising spend for our new campaign, and we anticipate marketing expense to be flat as a percentage of sales for the full year. These pressures were partly offset by slight leverage in corporate overhead. Operating margin was 10.8% of sales and was down 130 basis points from last year's Q3 operating margin of 12.1%, with 20 basis points attributable to the revenue recognition accounting change. Diluted EPS grew 28% to $2.18, with about two cents of earnings due to a lower than expected tax rate related to equity compensation. Turning now to the balance sheet and cash flow. Total inventory grew 10% and 
and was flat on a per-store basis, well below comparable sales growth. As we continue to benefit from improved inventory systems and processes, as well as the clearance event that began at the end of the second quarter and ran for the first few weeks early in the third quarter. Capital expenditures were $115 million for the quarter, driven by new stores, investments in systems, prestige brand rollouts, merchandise fixtures, and supply chain investments. We ended the third quarter with $296.9 million in cash. We repurchased 451,000 shares through our 10B51 program at a cost of $119 million during the third quarter. $283 million remained available on the $625 million authorization as of quarter end. Turning now to guidance for the quarter and full year. For the fourth quarter, we expect sales to be in the range of $2.085 billion to $2.103 billion versus $1.938 billion last year. Recall that last year's fourth quarter included an extra week worth $108.8 million and about $0.14 cents of earnings. We expect comparable sales to increase in the range of 7 to 8% versus 8.8% last year. Our comparable sales will compare weeks 40 through 52 this year with the same period last year, so the 53rd week drops out. E-commerce sales are expected to grow in the mid-30s percentage range compared to 60.4% last year or 50.4% on a comparable 13-week basis. We plan to open approximately 11 new stores in the fourth quarter compared to 16 in Q4 last year and remain on track to open 100 net new stores this year. Q4 pre-opening expense is expected to be slightly lower as a rate of sales compared to last year. Diluted earnings per share are expected to be in the range of $3.50 to $3.55 versus $3.40 last year on a gap basis, or $2.75 adjusted for a lower tax rate, the impact from the revaluation of deferred taxes, and related one-time bonuses last year. Operating margin is planned to deleverage, including the roughly 20 basis points related to the revenue recognition accounting standard consistent with the impact we've seen so far this year. The tax rate for Q4 is expected to be 24%. This does not include any assumptions for the tax rate impact of share-based compensation accounting, which is difficult to forecast. Our fully diluted share count is estimated at 60.3 million. For the full year, we are maintaining our outlook for comparable sales and earnings per share, which we updated at our analyst day a month ago. We plan to open 100 new stores, all approximately 10,000 square feet. We'll complete 15 remodel and relocation projects. We expect to grow e-commerce approximately 40%. We anticipate top-line growth in the low teens, including the impact of the 53rd week last year. Total company comps are expected to be in the 7 to 8% range. We expect to grow diluted earnings per share in the low 20s percentage range, including the extra week in 2017. We anticipate capital expenditures of approximately $375 million. Depreciation is forecasted at approximately $290 million. We expect to repurchase shares in the $500 million range for the year, and the annual tax rate for the remainder of the year is expected to be 24%. As you know, we provided a long-term outlook at our analyst day last month, targeting mid to high teens earnings per share growth, 5 to 7% comparable sales for the next three years, and modest margin improvement each year. We plan to provide specific annual guidance for 2019 on our Q4 call in March, as we normally do. And with that, I'll turn it over to our conference call host for Q&A. Great, thank you. We will now be conducting a question and answer session. If you'd like to ask a question, please press star 1 on your telephone keypad. A confirmation tone will indicate your line is in the question queue. You may press star 2 if you'd like to move your question from the queue. For participants using speaker equipment, it may be necessary to pick up your handset before pressing the star keys. We ask that we ask one question and one follow-up question and requeue for any additional questions. Our first question here is from Ike Borrowchow from Wells Fargo. Please go ahead. Hi everyone, this is Lauren on for Ike. 
Uh, Scott, could you maybe provide a bit more color around Q3 gross margins, maybe help us understand the dynamics between fixed costs and merchandise margin and how the clearance event played into that? Uh, also, anything that may have surprised you within the quarter and how that helps you think about Q4 gross margins as well. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for the question. I know this is a little complicated, so let's give you a couple of points of reference. So versus last year, what you guys may have been expecting or looking for in your models. So benefits versus last year included lapping the hurricanes, of course. We had to promote a lot last year to capture lost sales, right? We said I think it was about 100 basis points of comp of impact last year. And then, and then stronger rent and occupancy leverage versus last year. So we're lapping over a number of what I'd call higher cost stores, Manhattan, Michigan Avenue, and a number of others uh, that we installed last year. Uh, those benefits were offset by salon optimization investments that we've been talking about all year. The Fresno DC, again, new in the second quarter, that's caused a bit of deleverage year over year. And then the mix things we've been talking about in the business, the prestige brand mix and then the e-commerce mix. All right, so that's versus last year. Versus our expectations, we call out transportation of being 10 to 15 basis points at analyst day. So there's been some upward pressure there all year for us. On the sales mix side, Mary called out fragrance and mass doing really well in the third quarter. So again, fantastic market share gains, but those two categories do have slightly lower margins overall than the house. And then it was primarily, we called out the clearance event. It was really the, the bigger surprise for us versus our plans. So like I said, we had to go longer and deeper to move those uh, items out of the store. But it was the right thing for us to do, and we feel really good where we are prepared for holiday. Great. Thank you so much for the caller, Scott. Our next question is from Simeon Gutman from Morgan Stanley. Please go ahead. Hey, thanks. Good afternoon. So um, one question, just a couple of parts. Scott, um, can, you, can you quantify to us how much more did the, the extra clearance or the extending of the clearance hurt your gross margin? And I, I guess I would have presumed that by the time you, you gave your second quarter call, you had some idea of this at the time. And then I just want to reconcile this. Uh, Sephora called out a more promotional environment. You didn't really, you didn't say that. I mean, it was all, it sounds like this clearance event. But just if you can talk about the posture of the industry and if, if it feels more competitive. Thanks. Yeah, so maybe I can start with the promotional environment. So again, we feel like it's relatively stable year over year as we look at things. So again, it seems like overall there's been a bit more buzz about things. In the competitive environment, this is a tough space. It always has been, and we expect it to continue to be. So as we're looking ahead now, you know, specifically to the fourth quarter, we feel like we're in a pretty stable place overall. Um, as far as the clearance event goes, not quantified for you, but directionally, I would tell you it's primarily, it's the biggest driver by far of, uh, you know, the surprise versus where we thought we were headed for the third quarter. So, you know, we, we talk a lot about the boutique strategy and the remodeling efforts that have been underway here over the last 18 months, really in an accelerated pace. So, you know, when we're updating those stores, one of the biggest changes is our fragrance fixtures. And, um, We've really pared back the assortment there as we upgrade the fixturing and presentation in the store. And it was, it was a lot of excess fragrance that had built up in the system overall. And why we've been, we've been trying to, I'd say at the margins, you know, kind of sell our way through that and clearance sections in our store. It just got to the point where we thought we needed to be more aggressive and that's what we did. So we wanted, you know, it, we, it was playing its way through, and in the third quarter, we just needed to put our foot on the accelerator to get it out of the store. So, again, overall, it was a little more expensive than we were hoping, but it was the right, uh, right tactic for the business. Our next question is from Joe Altabella from Raymond James. Please go ahead. Thanks. Hey, guys. Uh, good afternoon. Um, so I guess my, my first question is on the, on the comp guide for the fourth quarter. Um, up seven to eight percent. It sounds like it's kind of consistent with what you saw in the third quarter. And I'm curious, you know, your base period gets easier by about 150 basis points. You've got the introduction of uh, of Kylie this quarter, so why wouldn't we see a, a, a comp acceleration sequentially, quarter over quarter? Yeah, I mean, I'll, Joe, it's Mary. I I would say that. Um, you know, we guide it the best we can with the information that we have. I feel really good about what we have in place for holiday, whether it's like you mentioned, the brand launches, you know, off to a strong start, our holiday marketing, 
um, our exclusives, you know, our gift with purchase, they're all, you know, we're lined up really well, I'd say, to be competitive and have a strong quarter. But really, this is just our best, our best estimate at this point. And I would just add, not to forget, fourth quarter is a different animal for us, right? This is a place where we compete with all the retail, not just the beauty uh, competitors. So, you know, we go into the quarter, we think, in a pr with prudent guidance, right? A recognizing and feeling good about where our plan is, but just making sure that we, uh, we don't get too far ahead of ourselves. Okay. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Our next question is from Anthony Chicamba from Loop Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Uh, good, uh, good afternoon, and thanks for uh, taking my question. Um, you talked a little bit about uh, about um, the fact that your unaided awareness um, and your aided awareness both continue to increase. Do you have any uh, sense for what's driving that? I mean, is is that um, you know just increasing your store presence? Is it some of the shifts that you've made in terms of your marketing? Is it um, is it uh, the loyalty program? I'm just, I guess, I'm just wondering what you know, what 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 do you think is driving that, and where do you expect um, those numbers to to trend going forward? Thanks. Sure, Anthony, and I will say this is Mary because I bet you can guess this is Mary. <laughs> but anyways, I'm going to start. LSS saved ads for color. I'll tell you, this is something we've been at now for multiple years, right? Just the opportunity to put the brand of Alta Beauty on the map, literally and figuratively, and that's driven by a whole lot of factors. Um, and we've been measuring it. It's, it's, it's not even just about do people know us, but is there a meaningful understanding of what we are about? And I, I do believe that this next level of, of creative that we've just launched is going to deepen not just do people know about Ulta Beauty, but do they understand what we stand for? But maybe you could add some color in terms of the tactics. That are yeah, for. absolutely. We have, um, Anthony, uh, dramatically uh, adjusted our marketing approach, really revamped it uh, in a significant way. Uh, to make it kind of more current and relevant and motivating to our consumers, and that's driven a you know much greater connection. Uh, the, really, as we've done that over the last three years or so, we've seen this dramatic increase in awareness. So marketing for sure, but you know you mentioned some of the other things. Certainly, we've been opening new stores, and that's been helpful as we've entered into some new markets. Our loyalty program, as we combine that to one program. Uh, uh, so about four years ago that gave us the opportunity to market that and make that a deeper connection, and that helped us drive greater connection with our guests, but more word of mouth. Our assortment has improved dramatically over the last uh, several years, so those things have come together. And, um, and you asked about what come, you know, where we think it's going from here. Um, we're really pleased with the growth we've had in awareness. It's just been, you know, a, a critical, it was a critical opportunity, but we see more uh, to come. Um, you know, we're uh, one of the leading unaided awareness retailers, number two in, in the market right now. We're, we think we're on a path to become the number one unaided retailer in beauty. Uh, the campaign that Mary uh, described in, in her comments uh, is the next step of that, to uh, make a more uh, uh, purposeful effort to connect with our guests in a more meaningful way. And uh, so far, we're off to a good start with that. Our next question is from Rupesh Parikh from Oppenheimer Company. Please go ahead. Good afternoon. Thanks for taking my questions. So on, on the Kylie Cosmetics launch, so it sounds like the, the launch so far is off to a strong start. So I was just curious how it's trending versus your expectations, and if there's any surprises in terms of the customers bringing to your stores. Yeah, uh, great, uh, great question. Yeah, we'd, we'd say, you know, first it's, it's, it's early. It's been less than a month, uh, just a, a couple of weeks, but we're really uh, – uh, uh, you know, pleased with the uh, results. Uh, it certainly has generated a lot of excitement. Uh, it is, uh, you know, our existing guests uh, have responded very favorably to it. It also, uh, you know, it's done a nice job driving in some new guests, in particular younger and diverse consumers. So we're really pleased with, uh, with the uh, effort overall. Um, uh, Kylie and the Kylie Cosmetic team has done a really nice job helping uh, communicate this launch, get the uh, their, their fans excited about it. So overall, we're pleased with it. I think, uh, um, you know, as far as the assortment, we're seeing strength across, uh, you know, the, the, across the line. It's a, you know, relatively narrow assortment, but we've uh, been really happy with the performance. We just launched a, a, an exclusive holiday kit, and that's been received very well. Um, uh, you know, and that's available only at Ulta, not, not on KylieCosmetics.com. Um, you know, our teams are working really hard to uh, keep the stores replenished. We had anticipated uh, through Q4 of, um, 
of you know kind of being uh, you know tighter on inventory through through the quarter. Uh, so it's possible as we move into holiday that uh, we'll we'll sell out in some cases, uh, but we're working hard to uh, continue to replenish and evolve the assortment going forward. So overall pleased, um, but uh, a long road ahead of us as well. Great, thank you. Our next question is from Oliver Chen from Cowan & Company. Please go ahead. Hi, good evening. Um, the, the QM Scientific deal is great and, and awesome. What, we're curious about the AI-powered customer engagement in terms of how you see that manifesting um, across different opportunities within the ecosystem and also in the context of AI. Um, how do you juxtapose that with the beauty enthusiasts who often you know, likes new product uh, versus driving, you know, an, an optimized, personalized recommendation system, and would love your thoughts. On, and the QM Scientific team has a lot of experience with robotics, and we're seeing a lot more retail robotics as well as conversational commerce. How do you see that manifesting and in, in what you're building over time? Thank you. Yeah, Oliver, great, uh, great question. We, we too, we share your excitement about uh, having uh, QM uh, join uh, Ulta Beauty. We're just uh, uh, really optimistic about what that team uh, has already brought and, and will be bringing to us going forward. You hit, uh, you know, some of the uh, highlights, but I'd say uh, of the things that we're, we're looking uh, forward to drive with them, but uh, I'd say overall, as Mary mentioned in the comments, this is first and foremost about personalization, leveraging their capabilities to, to understand our guests in a better in a better way and uh, and and manage uh, our connection to them. The first phase with them is really getting them a, engaged and on board, which they are. We've been doing that over the last uh, uh, month or so, and uh, and getting them fully uh, up to uh, up to speed and connected to our business. As we look forward over 2019, I'd say it's a mix of uh, some foundational elements that they're bringing as they've helped us assess our capabilities. Uh, we'll be looking across, uh, you know, kind of our personalization platform, our data foundation, uh, and uh, and make sure that that's uh, as strong as it can be. I shared some of that at uh, the analyst day, and they're they're going to play a key role in strengthening our foundational uh, capabilities. The first areas that we're going to be tackling, um, you know, things we've already been doing, but we'll see. That we think we can move faster in a in a bigger way around um, uh, elements like. Um, uh, recommendations, as you as you mentioned, uh, dynamic content, personalized homepage, uh, computer vision is a capability that they have that we see that uh, integrating in as we get further in with them over the next several months. So that allow us to have product and image recognition. Uh, they'll also connect to our Glam Street uh, acquisition uh, to integrate virtual try-on data with our personalization uh, platform. Um, so those are the big areas that we're focused on, and uh, we see, uh, you know, we're really, the, the, uh, we're off to a great start with them. The team is really strong, and uh, we're really pleased to have them on board. Okay, and just to follow up uh, with the store of the future, what do you really envision in terms of making sure that um, you link a lot of the innovation you're, you're you're conducting digitally and with AI into the into the shopping, the physical, experiential shopping experience and as you use this incubation innovation lab to look at ideas and, you know, how should we think about how Ulta thinks about M&A versus organic uh, innovation? Well, these are deep questions. Uh, I'll start and just say a couple of things. Well, as a story of the future, you know, we talked a bit about analyst day. It's early in our thinking. We're not going to share a lot of the direction. I'd say high level, the notion of the ability to be very experiential and meet our guests where they are is going to be critical, we think, and important in the beauty category. We think Ultra Beauty will be able to do that, serve that need really well. But to your point, an underpinning of technology through everything we do. So these investments in these companies we see as ways to drive a personalized experience across all touch points, and that would be an underpinning. I think in the future we would imagine, and not surprisingly, that there's less and less friction in the transaction happening in store, right, more time. Uh, less time tasking and checking out and a lot more time spent consulting and just having fun with beauty. So we see them all as working together. And, and frankly, the place that we can play the best is to bring together ease and convenience with discovery and the true human experience that's both physical and emotional. And that, you know, in, in kind of in a big picture way is how we think about our not just store but experience in the future. Thank you. Best regards. Happy holidays. Thank you. Thank you. 
Our next question is from Simeon Siegel from Nomura Instanet. Please go ahead. Thanks. Hi, guys. Good afternoon and uh, happy holidays. Um, Mary, sorry to belabor the clearance conversation, but just can you speak to the why you think it happened? Just was it internal buying planning or was it more a function of the external environment? Just basically, can you speak to your comfort around this not being go-forward necessity? And then, Scott, sorry if I missed it. Uh, what are the gross margins embedded in the Q4 guide that you guys gave? Thank you. So, yeah, on the clearance, I would say it's just a, a combination of factors, but more about the, you know, fair number of remodels and expansions of brands that happen in the quarter and a lot of new brands coming in that just, you know, we, we make a call. Clearance is not something that's, you know, it's not like we never do this. This happens periodically. So in this instance, it was bigger with an opportunity, we thought, to really clear out inventory and get us set up for the holiday. It's not something we expect to repeat at that scale this quarter, you know, in the fourth quarter for sure. Um, but, you know, it's just one of those business calls that we made that we think were right for the business at the time. Yeah, and as far as uh, mar margin for the fourth quarter, uh, just a, a little bit of color on some of the levers there. So Fresno, less of a headwind in the fourth quarter as that building continues to scale up and, of course, higher volumes overall. Uh, rent and occupancy will, you know, lever will be stronger um, in the fourth quarter than it was in the third. Again, we're, we had 42 new stores in the third quarter. We got, you know, a, a dozen, I think, in the fourth quarter. So that will be better overall. Uh, we'll be lapping those stores again from last year that were in 2017, those higher cost stores. So we'll see some nice benefits there. I mentioned earlier the promotional environment overall we think is pretty stable right now. So, so again, it's a competitive environment. Make no mistake about that. And holiday is, you know, more so than the rest of the year. So we're prepared for that, but that's baked into the plan. Uh, when you get down to the SG&A line, labor, so we'll see. Get leverage there, unlike earlier in the year. Again, you got higher volumes there that help with some of that. You know, the mix assumptions are all baked in there now. Freight, we mentioned earlier today, that's in there, although I will say there's been some upward, you know, surprises there as we've kind of marched through the course of the year. But again, that's not a major driver overall. So um, feel good about where we are and the plan we have in place for the rest of the year. Great, thanks. And then just high, high level for a second. So you Congrats on the, I mean, the, the awareness obviously keeps getting better. Did you, would you expect the, to accelerate the store productivity curve as that happens? I mean, I guess as you open up new stores, should that ramp happen quicker? Yeah, I mean, we're keeping an eye on that. I mean, we did up, update our store model here at Analyst Day just mm -hmm. a few weeks ago. So we are seeing stronger productivity there. And it, it, it's a mix of things, as Dave alluded to it earlier. Assortment's part of it. Awareness is part of it. Better guest experience in the store. The payroll investments we're making are part of it. So, again, it's kind of hard to break it down uh, individual basis. Great. Thanks a lot, guys. Best of luck for the holiday. Thank you. Our next question is from Steph Wissink from Jefferies. Please go ahead. Thanks. Good afternoon, everyone. We just have a follow-up question on your prior comments, Scott, on labor leverage. I'm wondering if you can break the deleverage you saw in Q3 and store payroll into the boutique and skin par investments relative to wage rate pressure overall. It sounds like you'll lever in the fourth quarter. Does that imply that those boutiques and those skin bars um, hit a level of sales volume that allows you to lever there as well? Thank you. Yeah, I think big picture that that's the answer. I mean, as you know, we install these fixtures throughout the course of the year, right? We're kind of building to a crescendo here. And so you get maximum benefit from that in the fourth quarter when you got much uh, larger sales volumes overall. So again, I would just remind people when we're talking about payroll deleverage, it is largely around investments that we're making for the guest experience, which a lot revolves around these boutique brands that we're installing in our stores. So all good for the long term, exactly, you know, the thing, the way we think we should be playing it. Our next question is from Christopher Horvers from J.P. Morgan. Please go ahead. Thanks. Good evening. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but did you say e-commerce would grow in the mid-30s in, in the fourth quarter? So it, that would be about 100 basis points less on comp contributions. So you're expecting to, uh, the store to, to accelerate in the fourth quarter. And can you talk about your thoughts around that and, and how do you think the drivers of that are? Yeah, I guess we're trying to avoid, you know, uh, detailed breakdowns of the comp by, by uh, business unit here. But, 
Yes, we did. So I can confirm we did say mm -hmm. mid-30s for e-commerce in the third quarter. So again, it's just natural to kind of assume some moderation in that. Again, when you do the adjustment for the 53rd week last year, as part of the math as well. So again, we're off. We feel good about the plan overall. We think the guidance is strong. You know, we feel like the business is well positioned. And so we just want to be a little bit prudent with with uh, what we're forecasting uh, for, for the public at this point in time, because there's a long way to go between now and Christmas, right? It's the longest period, right? Start to finish, I think 31 days between Thanksgiving and, and uh, Christmas. So uh, we just uh, playing it wisely, we believe. Understood. Understood. And then just, you know, two cleanup questions on the gross margin front, uh, questions that we've been getting. So um, earlier this week, there was a coupon. Some people thought it was an extra coupon, was wanted to get your thoughts on that. And then in terms of 4Q, the, the, the clearance, which sounded like it lasted a few weeks into the fourth quarter, uh, what sort of headwind are you expecting in, in 4Q gross margin around the, the clearance? Well, let me start there first to be clear. So that clearance event is behind us now. Mm -hmm. So that was that Mary mentioned mm -hmm. as well. We would call pretty extraordinary. So I think it was some catch up for us, right, to get through that. Um, and we accelerated it in the third quarter so that we could clear out the back room so we didn't have to struggle with it in the fourth quarter. So that's kind of Got off it. the table. Again, yep. there's always a bit of clearance floating through the margin line, right, but not, not to the extent of what we just saw over the last two quarters. And then as far as the coupon is concerned, again, I tried to do this earlier in the year to tell people not to try so hard trying to track individual <laughs> coupons that hit their email box, right? Because there's a lot of factors that influence how many times we ping you and, you know, what you do with your open rates and, all, and redemption rates and all those kinds of things. So, again, I would just uh, reassure investors that we're pragmatic in our approach. We're doing the best that we can to deliver the best overall result for the quarter, you know, and that includes promotion levels. Understood. Thank you. Our next question is from Dana Telsey from Telsey Advisory Group. Please go ahead. Hi, good afternoon, everyone. As you think about this fourth quarter and obviously a lot of the discussion points on gross margin coming up, what about on inventory levels as you're heading into the season? Flat per, per store, how do you see yourself positioned for the holiday with flat per store inventory levels? Thank you. Well, we feel great about our inventory position. So again, we alluded to, Mary did in her comments about the tools and process improvements and things that we're doing. You know, part of that is just improved capabilities in our distribution centers. Part of it is behind the scenes investments and tools for our merchants and, and support teams here at the, the home office to help us just manage inventories better overall. So taking out excess weeks of supply in our supply chain network and reinvesting a lot of that into our best-selling SKUs, the A's and B's, and making sure we're always in stock on the things that our guests are looking to us for. So again, overall managing it and, and you know, we're guiding to, again, our long-term guidance, 50 basis points of inventory productivity improvement here over the next five years. So this is We've been promising and talking about this for a long time now, I know, but now you're starting to see the fruits of our labor manifest themselves, and we're really happy about where we are and, and what we have in front of us. Thank you. Our next question is from Mark Altswager from Robert W. Baird. Please go ahead. Uh, good afternoon. Thanks. Um, it's encouraging to hear that Prestige Cosmetics saw some sequential improvement. And obviously, you have Kylie coming in Q4, but you know, bigger picture, can you talk about your outlook for, for category growth? You know, the past year, we've seen the acceleration in skincare, a bit of deceleration in cosmetics. Just based on the, the trends and the innovation pipeline you see, do you think we're beginning to see an inflection back in favor of the, the cosmetic category? Yeah, you know, it's always, this is the crystal ball moment, right? And uh, Dave and I can tag team this if needed. What I was saying, the prestige, we're encouraged as well that that's an encouraging sign about stabilization of that side of that, that part of the business. It's big. It's very important to us. But it really is sort of like a tale of different brands. There's some brands that, you know, had huge 15, 2015 and 16s that are still struggling a bit with kind of matching that kind of growth and others that are seeing stellar growth. So, you know, in total, that sort of mutes, I guess, a little bit, but it's still a healthy segment, um, uh, you know, use of, uh, of cosmetics and innovation in, in all aspects of color uh, is continuing to be huge out there. And of course, there's 
the channels that are the brands that aren't measured, you know, in, in our traditional channels. So it's a lot of growth and innovation for us to participate in that we feel good in. I feel, you know, we feel good about what's happening with the other segments of the business with, you know, Prestige Skin, as you said, mask cosmetics, fragrance, all with, you know, double-digit comps for us. So anything you'd add that I missed on that, Dave, feel free to. Just, just uh, reiterate. Yeah, we we are really optimistic about uh, about makeup. Yeah, there certainly is a strengthening in skincare, but uh, you know we we feel that our consumers uh, are remain very engaged in 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 makeup. All the demographic trends continue to be very positive. Uh, one of the one of the that's one of the reasons though we've been focused on uh, digitally native brands and. Uh, and expanding that part of our portfolio. So certainly a brand uh, like Kylie, but also Morphe and ColourPop, uh, Juvia's Place. Uh, so a number of brands that we think will play a role. At the same time, uh, continuing to drive growth on some of our big established brands like Tarte and uh, and and Benefit and Anastasia and uh, and even L'Oreal and Maybelline on the mass side. So well-rounded, and we're we're positive about where uh, you know the future of makeup. Thanks. And, and just a quick follow-up, it looks like the transaction um, component to the equation did reaccelerate this quarter, even against a tougher compare. Were there any call-outs there, um, drivers on the marketing side this quarter, and, and, and learnings you can leverage for the holiday quarter? I'd say from a from a marketing, you know, we were, uh, you know, we felt really good about our marketing approach. Uh, yeah, the, uh, we had uh, you know some activity throughout the throughout the quarter as we made adjustments to make sure we were driving traffic and transactions, and and so the mix uh, you know we felt was uh, you know ended up in a in a in a in a solid place. Uh, but certainly as we continue to look forward uh, into the fourth quarter and into 2019, can, you know driving traffic is obviously critical, and uh, our, our new advertising campaign and we think is front and center doing that, and all the other changes that we're making, we think will continue to drive strong strong growth across all aspects business. Great. Best of luck. Thank you. Our next question is from Erin Murphy from Piper Jaffrey. Please go ahead. Great. Thanks. Good afternoon. Um, I was hoping you guys could talk a little bit more about the mass uh, category and the performance during the quarter. And then how are you thinking about that as you go into 19? I know you're lapping your major reset this year. Um, and then I guess, Mary, as you think about the emerging brands team and just the opportunities that they um, can kind of now look through, is there more coming down the pipeline in mass or prestige? Thanks. Yeah, so um, on the mass side, we, we're very pleased with the results uh, you know, this year, um, and we're uh, you know, really optimistic about the future. Uh, we, you know, we'll, we'll share more as we get into it, but we're going to continue to expand and grow brands that have been doing well for us. So. Uh, there's still opportunity to make them bigger parts of our portfolio. There's some core foundational brands, including Ulta Beauty Collection, but also uh, L'Oreal and Maybelline and some of the bigger established brands that have been doing well. And we see, you know, we're, we're positive and optimistic about the future there because of uh, the innovation pipeline that's ahead of us. We'll continue to find uh, uh, emerging brands. I mean, Juvia's Place is it a recent example of a brand we launched that's, uh, you know, early but off to a good start, uh, and that's in our in our mass cosmetic space. So uh, as much success as we had this year, um, w you know, w we have a, a large share opportunity. It's a huge category. And uh, we feel like we've got a lot of runway ahead of us to continue to try to, try to drive, drive growth in that space. Yeah, and I would just add, Aaron, I, I think that with the emerging brands, it's really across the board that we'll see innovation, right? It's across uh, categories and price points, not just mass. Okay. And then just the ticket growth was the lightest we've seen year to date. I'm just curious, is that just tied to the clearance event uh, being extended or was there any other puts and takes uh, for the ticket, which came in a little bit lighter than we thought? Thanks. I'd say that's probably the primary driver there. So again, the clearance event wasn't much of a sales uh, uh, help overall for the quarter. Um, uh, so yeah, that, that would be something that I would attribute a good piece of that to as well. Thanks, and happy holidays. Thank you. Our next question is from Michael Goldsmith from UBS. Please go ahead. Good evening. Thanks a lot for taking my question. It looks like your e-commerce and your mobile traffic decelerated sequentially, but your e-commerce sales accelerated. So are you seeing an improvement in conversion online, and what would be driving that? Thank you. Yeah. Um, we, yeah, well, a couple things I'd say is, yeah, we're, we continue to be pleased with traffic. You talked about mobile. That's a big, uh, big part of the, of the business, a growing part of the business. 
Uh, and you know, we're pleased all around with all aspects of, of that of the business. Traffic is is uh, is is strong and healthy. Uh, what we see in mobile is uh, conversion in mobile is a little bit less than desktop because mobile is used often as an aid to shopping either in store or find stores. So there's other reasons to use mobile that maybe you're not using a desktop. So conversion shifts a little bit there. But when we look across AOB, uh, conversion, traffic, all all uh, you know, pointed in the right direction and, and contributing in a meaningful way to our e-commerce business. And we think we continue to grow across all, all uh, aspects of that business going forward. Thank you very much. Our next question is from Brian Tunick from World Bank of Canada. Please go ahead. Thanks. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. Um, I guess two questions. One, just curious, you know, on the 20% off coupons, maybe, you know, can you talk, are you still using them to acquire, you know, new guests? Um, or, or has your philosophy around the returns uh, that you're seeing on those coupons changed? And then maybe secondly, you know, Scott, on, on merchandise margin expectations, as we look at, you know, next year or so, may, maybe talk about any, you know, mix shift, you know, within prestige growing versus mass growing again. Maybe just give us some sense, um, you know, of how you think merchandise margins will, will play out uh, going forward. Thank you very much. Sure. I'll, you know, I'll start on the promotion question. You know, I, I would reframe it. It's really not that any one tactic is about, you know, that I'd say if you step back, we have a, a wide variety of tools in our toolkit, I guess I'd call it, to, you know, drive traffic, to drive share gains, to make our guests very excited and happy. And, and the 20% off is just actually one of many tools that we do. You know, everything is designed to, to do, to get new guests and to increase share of wallet of existing guests. And increasingly, you know, I'm really proud about the fact that our, our teams have over the past several quarters and years really create a much more sophisticated set of tools that involve everything from the ability to invest in awareness to our loyalty program. And as we just talked about, the investment in these new uh, capabilities that we have to really use that in a more personalized way. So it's all on a journey of, you know, how do you make sure that you're exciting for the guests, you're competitive, you're driving profitable growth and driving market share gains. And there's you'll continue to see a whole array of ways that we do that. And as far as... Uh Gross margins are concerned. I mean, you know, Brian, you've been following us a long time. It's a very dynamic category. I mean, Dave described, I mean, the mix of products that come in and out of our, our box and now online to a great degree. You know, every year is kind of like a new story, right? What's the hot product? What's the hot skew? What's the newness look like? So, again, we're not expecting, we would never have, I guess, really to expand, quote, unquote, merchandise margins in any significant way, you know, in the foreseeable future. I mean, we just, we are looking for market share gains, profitable market share gains over the long term and, and finding products that excite our guests, that drive traffic in our stores and online. And that's what we're focused on delivering. And then we've got, so we've talked about EFG, you know, during the course of the year a little bit and more explicitly at Analyst Day. So that's a lever for us. Again, back around a lot of our core processes and other places in the business where we feel like we've got good opportunities to find savings to mitigate some of those headwinds if they present themselves. So again, you know, trying to balance all elements of the business uh, to deliver those, that long-term algorithm that we laid out clearly at Analyst Day. All right, super. Thanks for the color. Good luck for the holiday. Thanks. Our next question is from Michael Benetti from Credit Suisse. Please go ahead. Hey, guys. Um, thanks for taking our question here. So I, I know you normally wouldn't comment on quarter-to-date trends, but given the um, both the excitement and the significant stock moves we've seen around the last two times you've made Kardashian announcements, would it, would it be safe to – can we make an assumption that current trends are above the 7 to 8 guidance for the, for the comp? Yeah, we're not going to comment on the current quarter. I feel like, as I said earlier, really good about what our teams have put in place from a merchandising, you know, the, the product offerings, the marketing, our store teams, our distribution teams are performing at exceptional levels. So, um, you know, I think we're in good shape, and I'll leave it at that. Okay. Is there, and then just one more cleanup on that. Is there anything so far that make you think the right e-com growth rate is mid-30s in fourth quarter? Our forecast, you know, when we look at the business and we lay out the days and we look at what we're, the events we're comping against and, you know, newness that we have to drive our business, that's kind of, you know, to Mary's earlier point, we, we 
keep it current right up to the last minute here to make sure we got our best thinking when we put our guidance together. All right, fair enough. Then, as I, you know, Scott, as I think about the, um, the 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 detailed guidance you gave at the analyst day and and the algorithm for this, the next three years, um, and I look at 2019 in our model, you know, you, you mentioned to us that the, some of the efficiency initiatives wouldn't be linear at uh, the analyst day. One could assume that you'd be implying that the EPS growth rate then could maybe start at the low end of the mid to high teens range. Um, to start the three-year plan. Is that the right way to orient ourselves as we think about the puts and takes uh, of the multi-year plan? I appreciate your question, Michael, but we're not going to get into that today. So we're going to, we'll lay out our plan for 19. Again, I think I explained at Analyst Day that we're in the, in the midst of our planning process here and there's still a long way for us to go and a lot of decisions to be made. So we'll share more with you on that in, in March. Okay, had to try. Thank you very much. Great, thank you. This concludes the question and answer session. I'd like to turn the floor back to Mary Dillon for any closing comments. Thank you. I'd just like to close by thanking our 40,000 associates for delivering another strong quarter as they're working hard to get the stores, website, and DCs ready for the busy holiday season, all while continuing to elevate the guest experience. So I look forward to speaking with all of you again, and happy holidays. Thank you. This concludes today's teleconference. You may disconnect your lines at this time. Thank you again for your participation.